Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. of the Best of the Mark Levin Show. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I missed you yesterday. I want to thank Brian Mudd for filling in. You know, uh, one of the fabulous things about you and my audience is I can discuss any topic with you. And despite the slings and arrows that I take in various media, because I want to discuss various topics with you that are supposed to be unthinkable, untouchable. It's very important that you're out there and you're patriots and that you're also thinking people. This audience is the smartest audience in all of audiences, and I've said that many, many times. Now, I want to talk to you as an American. I want to talk to you as an American. The rise of Jew hatred and anti-Semitism going on in this country is frightening. You know, uh, we talk about immigration a lot. You see what's happened to Europe with open borders. You have what they call no-go zones. No-go zones, like in the suburbs of Paris, where Jews must not go if they expect to live, and Christians too. You have no-go zone areas in Britain. You have no-go zone areas throughout the Middle East. And it appears we're developing no-go zones here in the United States of America. I first want to say this. When you have individuals like Talib and Omar and AOC 
And you have individuals like Sanders and others who are flat-out bigots and anti-Semites, constantly stirring the pot, constantly pointing the finger at Jews in Israel. They're inciting anti-Semitism. When you have Democratic leaders, including Joe Biden, including Chuck Schumer, you might say some of these folks are Jewish, Mark. Trust me, I'm well aware of this. And Nancy Pelosi, who are utterly silent. And in the case of Joe Biden, who is lauding Talib, celebrating Talib, despite her poisonous comments over and over and over again, we have a huge problem. This issue of anti-Semitism is bigger than Jews. It destroys a country. And it's not a coincidence when you have a rise of fascism, as in the case of Hitler, a rise of Marxism, as in the case of the Soviet Union. You have a rise of Jew hatred and anti-Semitism. But all of us, all of you are affected by this. You'll notice the freer we are, the more we, we uh, believe in a strong republic and a constitutional system. We don't hear a lot of this. But we hear it endlessly today. Black Lives Matter is a racist, Marxist, anarchist organization that is embraced by ESPN, that is embraced by professional sports, that is embraced by mayors all over this country, governors, and the Democrat Party. It is an anti-Semitic organization. It is a America-hating, Marxist, anarchist organization. They don't hide this part of the BDS, but they don't even hide it. Critical race theory is a racist theory. The people who promote critical race theory believe in much of what Farrakhan believes in, quite frankly. It's Farrakhan and his poison dressed up as a legitimate doctrine. This is being taught to your children. This is being promoted at Disney World. This is, being, this is being pushed through corporate America, including our media. The idea that the majority of the people in this country believe in white supremacy is so outrageous. If the majority of people believed in white supremacy, it would be White supremacist movements with millions and millions of supporters burning down cities. But that's not the case. These groups are detested by everybody. The Klan, the neo-Nazis, and yet Black Lives Matter isn't. Antifa isn't. Farrakhan isn't. We heard about Islamophobia. After 9-11, there was going to be the rise of Islamophobia. There's never been the rise of Islamophobia. The Democrats try and manufacture this. There hasn't been Islamophobia. I don't care what the group CARE says with its ties to Hamas or the other front groups. Now, the fact of the matter is, the more we have open borders, the more anybody can come in here 
And the less we have assimilation into the American culture and the Americans' belief in a colorblind society, live and let leave, live, the more open our borders and the less we assimilate into our culture, this is what we're getting. Virulent anti-Semitism and, and other things too. But honestly, folks, if I don't discuss this, nobody's going to discuss this. And really, this has a universal impact. It's not just about Jews, so please stick with me. Tonight is Shabbat. That's the Jewish Sabbath. It's not this minute, but it'll be coming soon. So many of the more more religious Jews won't even hear what I'm saying. Because I'm talking to all of America. This isn't aimed at Jews. It's aimed at everybody. It's a discussion. Israel defends itself. Israel didn't fire the missiles. 4,000 missiles fired at its cities. The missiles provided by Iran. And Palestinian groups in our country attack Jews in our country. I repeat, Palestinian groups in our country attack Jews in our country. I've got article after article, evidence after evidence. And the President of the United States says nothing. The Vice President of the United States, who's married to a Jew, she says nothing. The Democrat leader of the Senate, who's a Jew from New York, he says nothing. Not a word. Nothing. We heard about Islamophobia over and over again. We hear nothing about this. Fox News reports on it. Wow, look at that. Fox News reports on it. Report just came out from the FBI just a few weeks ago about hate crimes in America in 2020. 57% of all hate crimes in America were against Jews. And it keeps rising. Where is this coming from? Is it coming from the Klan? No. Is it coming from the neo Nazis? No. Where's it coming from? Coming from evangelical Christians? No, not in the least, of course. They support the state of Israel. Where's it coming from? It's coming from Palestinians and Muslim communities. It's also coming from African-American communities, shockingly enough. And I'm now the first major broadcaster to allow those words to pass my lips. Because it's true. This FBI report came out. It's as if nothing came out. Actually, I understated that. That was the year before. 60.2% of the victims of hate crimes were Jews. Six out of ten. And yet the Jewish population in this country is minuscule. It's minuscule. 
What's the Democrat Party going to do about its its anti-Semite wing, its Marxist wing? Nothing. That wing has more influence of the Democrat Party than any other element in the Democrat Party. So much so that Joe Biden has not condemned any of this. None of it. Who's the chairperson of the Democrat National Committee? I don't even know. What have they said? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What have they said on CNN and MSNBC? Nothing. What have they said on NBC and ABC and CBS? Nothing. What did they say on the front page of the New York Times? Nothing. What did they say on the front page of the Washington Post? Nothing. Here I am, Mr. Conservative. And I say that as Americans, this is shocking what's happening to our country. Open borders, lack of assimilation into our own culture, it's even worse. The vicious attack on our culture by radical minority groups, minority, I don't mean by race, I mean by ideology. It's shocking. The indoctrination and brainwashing that's occurring now in our colleges and universities, it's a given. It's just the way it is. Keep your mouth shut. And now our public schools. You look at past societies, folks. I don't care if it's the Babylonians, the Palestinians today, the Third Reich, Marxists all over the world. Often they come for the Jews first. And then they get around to you. We have tolerated this radical element in our country, these Marxists, burning down our cities, undermining law enforcement, perhaps permanently, threatening people, bullying people. Brainwashing our children, destroying our history. We're turning into the cultures that these people supposedly escaped, or their parents or their grandparents did. Now, I don't care if I'm attacked by the New York Times or the Washington Post, these have been longtime anti Semitic publications. And I will defend myself, both over this microphone and legally. But I care about my country. You don't hear this discussed much on ESPN. Do you? You don't hear this discussed much by LeBron James and basketball coaches. You don't hear this discussed much by sports owners, do you? How about major American corporations? Do they discuss this? No. Because, ladies and gentlemen, it's now accepted. A high level of anti-Semitism in this country is now accepted. 
It's accepted by the Democrat Party and promoted by the Democrat Party. It is accepted by the major media organs of this country and promoted by the major media organs in this country. It's accepted. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Now back to the best of Mark Levin. We honor those on Memorial Day who have given their lives to defend this nation. 76 years ago was when the Holocaust ended. 76 years ago. That's all. And you and I know damn well that the shoe were on the other foot. And Hamas and the Palestinian Authority had the military capabilities that Israel has that the Jews would be wiped out in Israel. You and I also know, as a matter of fact, that Talib, Omar, and AOC wouldn't give a damn. Talib used to talk about from the river to the sea. From the river to the sea means the elimination of Israel and the Israeli people. This is a person who Biden embraces. They talk about her grandmother. Did somebody shoot a missile at her grandmother's property? No, not in the least. Her grandmother and her family do very well. We have members of Congress now who actually represent Hamas, effectively. And I talked about the Hamas wing of the Democrat Party. Apparently some Republicans in the House have picked up on that. But that's exactly what we have. The problem is it's not so much a wing anymore. It's at least, in terms of Congress, a third of the Democrat Party. And a sympathetic ear by somebody who embraces Talib in the Oval Office. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. 
We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. This is the best of the Mark Levin Show, where we honor our fallen heroes on this Memorial Day and every day. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Senator Tom Cotton, how are you, my friend? Hey, good, Mark. It's good to be back on with you. It's a great pleasure. A couple of things I wanted to raise with you tonight, Senator. Bernie Sanders... Whenever war breaks out in the Middle East and Israel is attacked and they defend themselves, gets up on the Senate floor and on television and he wants to disarm the Israelis. Now, there was a package of weapons that they'd already purchased that was going to be sent to them, as I understand it. Uh, Then this uh, Hamas instigated war broke out and then he goes to the floor and he introduces a resolution to block the weapons sales. Is that correct? That is right, Mark. In a shooting war between Israel and Hamas, uh, a terrorist organization, Bernie Sanders wanted to turn his back on Israel. And you told him what? I said, let's vote right now. And why won't they? (laughs) Well, Mark, I think it's obvious that the Democrats are now scared of their radical left. The Sanders uh, and the Ocasio-Cortezes and the Talibs and the rest, who are a minority, even among Democrats, but also very vocal. Uh, and they're all scared of their own shadow. Even, even Democrats who style themselves as great defenders of Israel, like Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and Bob Menendez, kind of uh, turned tail and ran this week in the face of this very vocal anti-Israel and, frankly, somewhat anti-Semitic uh, minority of the Democratic Party. And, Senator, the House Democrats voted overwhelmingly this week against applying sanctions on Hamas. Yeah, you really can't make it up. Again, they engage in deep moral equivalence, acting as as if the belligerents in this conflict um, are of equal merit. Um, One is a U.S.-designated terrorist organization that has no regard for civilian life, and the other is a Democratic people who is one of our closest allies in the world. You are a senator from Arkansas. Last time I checked, you're not Jewish, Senator. Uh, Chuck Schumer's a senator from New York. Last time I checked, he is Jewish. As you know, I'm Jewish. You have defended the state of Israel more openly than Chuck Schumer. (laughs) What do you think accounts for that? Well, the other thing that's happening in New York, Mark, is that Schumer faces a potential primary challenge next year, maybe from none other than Miss Ocasio-Cortez. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he uh, finds himself uh, in a difficult position because, again, this, very, this minority, even among the Democratic Party, but this very vocal, very energized minority, um, would have been in high moral dudgeon if Chuck Schumer had dared side with the people of Israel uh, as against an organized terrorist group. Um, so I think that's one reason why Chuck Schumer was unusually muted uh, for this uh, conflict over the last few weeks. I'm usually muted. That's a very good phrase for him. Uh, Senator, let me ask you this. Joe Biden has opened back channels to Iran, trying to get back into this nuclear deal and even expand it. 
He immediately starts sending tens of millions of dollars to the Palestinians. He rejoins UNRWA. He rejoins the uh, so-called Human Rights Council of the UN. He sends all these signals to Hamas and to the Palestinian Authority. We have a Democrat party that is at least divided on the issue of Israel, and even those who claim to support it are awfully quiet in their support. Don't you think this helps instigate or provoke what took place? Yeah, I don't think there can be much question that Joe Biden's weakness uh, and his appeasement of Iran in particular um, helped embolden uh, Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad. I mean, look, almost every one of those rockets and missiles coming out of Gaza might as well be stamped made in Iran. But did you hear Joe Biden or Tony Blinken or any other administration official over the last two weeks even mention the name Iran? Of course not, Mark, because they're sitting in Vienna right now trying to uh, – get back into the nuclear deal, pleading, almost begging the Ayatollahs to let them back in. In fact, they're basically trying to surrender to the Ayatollahs, but the Ayatollahs are not yet ready to accept the terms of their surrender. Um, And now when you add on top of it as well, the kind of deep divisions you saw in Congress from the Democratic Party, it will further embolden our adversaries and uh, Israel's adversaries in the Middle East. Uh, We saw very clearly over the previous four years the simplest way to have peace in the Middle East, to have stability and security, is for the United States to stand shoulder to shoulder with the people of Israel. There was no conflict in those four years. And on the contrary, you had a great rapprochement uh, between Arab nations and Israel through the Abraham Accords. In the first four months of Joe Biden's administration, though, you have the most serious conflict since 2014 uh, between Israel and terrorist organizations on its border. I, I, you know, we know it works and doesn't work, right? So why, why do the Democrats and the hard left, why do they always go to what doesn't work? Well, I think in the Middle East, they're still committed, as President Obama was, uh, to some kind of uh, agreement with Iran to basically divide the Middle East into spheres of influence. They want Iran not only to give up its nuclear weapons, but also to basically uh, become a regional balancing power in places like Syria and Yemen and the Gaza Strip. That is obviously a naive, foolish, dangerous view. Iran has been chanting death to America and death to Israel for 42 years. They're not all of a sudden going to pull in their horns just because President Obama first and now President uh, Biden bribed them with a few billion dollars and promised to play nice with them in the Middle East. I want to move to uh, the uh, coronavirus. I want to move to Wuhan, the lab there. Senator, you were, I think you were the first. Certainly the first senator to say, you know, this may have come out of that lab. We need to look into this. And you took more crap for making that comment, as I recall, because you dared to ask the question and say, let's look into this. You remember that? I bet you do. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, so, you know, I was uh, I was the first to sound the alarm on the coronavirus. Some of the other people in Washington were obsessed with the impeachment trial of President Trump. I guess I have to say now the first impeachment trial. Um And um, I was trying to point out that things were happening in Wuhan and and, and more broadly in central China that were very alarming. Um, You know, I urged President Trump uh, in mid-January to take down flights from China. He did so, thankfully, in late January. But pretty shortly after that, I began to point out, look, you don't need a lot of scientific evidence to have a little bit of common sense in this world. And common sense would say it sure is a curious coincidence that this new coronavirus originated in downtown Wuhan, a city larger than New York City, and just happens to have 
a large laboratory where Chinese scientists experiment with coronaviruses. What a shocking coincidence that could be. And then when you start looking at the evidence, Mark, um, it, it may well be circumstantial evidence because the Chinese won't reveal any direct evidence at all, but all of the circumstantial evidence points directly to the, a leak from those labs, not to that food market, which was always a preposterous cover-up from the Chinese Communist Party. It, so it may have taken more than a year uh, for a lot of scientists uh, to come around to my point of view and therefore for the blue media to acknowledge that's what common sense suggests and what all the evidence uh, suggest as well, but I hope we get to the bottom of it uh, in the days ahead. President of the United States, Biden, talks to Xi for an hour or so over the phone and never once brings it up. Don't you think that's unbelievable? Yeah, I mean, it just, again, forecasts weakness and hesitancy and indecision at a time when Xi Jinping is trying to size up Biden in this new role. Look, I mean, Xi Jinping knows Joe Biden very well. Um, they spent many hours together when Joe Biden was vice president. Something tells me that he is not exactly quaking in his boots at the prospect of a President Biden. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Ward, uh, he was a former uh, senior science writer at the New York Times. I don't know if you read his piece a few weeks back. It was really fantastic piece. I did, yeah, and uh, and I commend him uh, for writing that. You know, it's basically making all the points that I was making last February. There's been some new evidence, some new quotes on the record that come to light. Uh, there's no smoking gun. We may never have a smoking gun uh, because the smoking gun has been broken up and thrown to the bottom of the river by the Chinese Communist Party, to use an old organized crime metaphor. Um, but as he wrote in that long essay, um, all the evidence that we have, plus your common sense, all points to a lab a few miles down the road, not to bats that don't live within hundreds of miles of Wuhan. Yeah, and, but the amazing thing is most of the media were utterly incurious about this, and not only incurious, would viciously attack, as you and others who would pick up on it, anybody who dared to raise it. Big Tech did exactly the same thing. They were, you know, giving yeah. the scarlet letter out. And that's pretty, that's pretty typical these days of the blue media and how they treat assertions, uh, no matter how well-grounded in fact and common sense, by anyone they don't like, whether it's me or Donald Trump or you or anyone else. But that doesn't change, uh, change matters when you have the facts and common sense on your hand, and most normal Americans can see that as well. I, I mean, I think you know, public opinion probably has shown for a long time that most Americans think this probably did come from those labs. It didn't come from some bats in a food market. <laughs> You're laughing because it's so idiotic. Uh, how old are your kids? Well, you hear them running around the back. But that's good. How old are they? They are, they are six and four. and they're, They should be getting ready for bed, but they're not quite yet. They got a lot of energy, huh? <laughs> Always. Yeah, been there, done that. Grandfather, it's, it's a little easier. Tom yeah, Cotton. probably riled them up and send them home to their parents. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want to thank you uh, for taking time off uh, from your family to help us out, work through a few of these issues, and take care. God bless. Thank you, Mark. All right, you too. Isn't he terrific? He is terrific. He's also a patriot, that's for sure. And he doesn't just talk the game. He went to war. I would say this, too, as a side point to Chris Cuomo on CNN. Mark, this is out of left field. Yeah, but it's in my mind as it moves along. And I would say to the phony prosecutors in New York, Chris Cuomo is not an official lawyer representing his brother. 
There is no attorney-client privilege. There is no attorney work product. There is no confidentiality. The three areas, for various reasons, of protection for an attorney. So we'll see how serious Letitia, I believe that's, what's her name? The Attorney General of uh, New York? Letitia James really is. And how serious the Democrats in the Assembly in Albany, New York, really are on impeachment. And how serious any of these people are. Because what they ought to do is subpoena everything that Chris Cuomo has and sit him down. And if there's a grand jury, put him in front of that grand jury. He's a lawyer. I believe his idiot brother's a lawyer. Two stupid lawyers. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. You're listening to the Memorial Day edition of the Best of the Mark Levin Show. It's amazing the conservatives, or the real conservatives, the conservative sites, are the ones who are speaking out against anti-Semitism. You're not seeing this in most Democrat Party surrogates. You're not seeing it in most Democrat Party members. You're not seeing it by most of the media. You're not seeing it, I'm being honest with you. By the liberal Jews in the Democrat Party, by the liberal Jews in the media, by the liberal Jews in Hollywood. You know, I'm a conservative Jew. That represents about 20%, maybe tops 25% of the Jewish population in the United States. It's not as bad as being a conservative African American, but it's close. In terms of the nonsense you have to put up with. But we have this site called Breitbart. That used to be attacked as some kind of a white supremacist operation. You have much to hate and detest about the left, ladies and gentlemen, including how they lie. And they had five points they wanted you to know, so I'm going to read them. Number one, Gaza has spent millions on terror rockets but has no money for vaccines or education. None. What else? Number two, as I scroll down, everyone talks about the disproportionate numbers of dead. Everyone forgets to mention the small fact that most of them are terrorists. Two-thirds of those who've been killed are terrorists. Others who've been killed in part have been killed in part by the 460 rockets that Hamas fired but misfired and landed in their own territory. And the human shields that they use. 
But that's not explained by, what is the idiot's name with Fox, Mr. Producer? Yinkst. Trey Yinkst, who's reporting from Gaza and did an interview with a Hamas leader. Amazing. Three, Israel warns Gaza civilians ahead of strikes to get out. Do you know of any other military on the face of the earth that does that? Number four, writes Breitbart, progressive Democrats have no idea what they're talking about. Number five, I won't even get into the rest. There you have it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the education that's occurring in this country, the corporate media in this country, the corporations, and by that I include the sports leagues in this country, we need to push back. We need to push back. They're undermining the unity in this country. They're undermining what used to be our strength, the diversity in this country, the rule of law. They're undermining our civil society. And this is the danger of Marxism. Marxism in the hands of Black Lives Matter, Marxism in the hands of Palestinian terrorists, Marxism in the hands of a secular Jew like Bernie Sanders, but Marxism, period. American Marxism. Marxism that's been Americanized and is devouring our country. Especially corporate boardrooms. Especially in broadcasting, where people are afraid to speak. I'm quite serious when I tell you, tonight is Friday evening here, then we have Saturday and Sunday. Obviously, I'm not on the radio Saturday and Sunday. I am strongly encouraging you now to please, please, pre-order your copies of American Marxism. I want this to be the biggest classroom in American history as soon as that book is released. I want this to be the biggest movement of these various movements that we've had as patriotic Americans in in modern times. You and me together, we can do this. Because if we can't, it's over. But we're not going to allow that, are we? We don't believe in violence. They do. But we believe in ideas, and we believe in strategies and tactics. And I keep saying to myself, when are we going to have a leader who's going to stand up and do these sorts of things? Well, I'm not that leader. But there are things that you and I can talk about and we can lead together. We can lead together. We can lead our communities together. We can lead. And we must. Don't look over your shoulder. There's no leaders behind you. And we will do this. If you're going to get a copy of American Marxism, I want to encourage you to go ahead and pre-order it now. Tonight, Saturday, Sunday. Encourage your family, friends. Get them copies if you like. It's heavily discounted, almost 40%. If they discount it more, you'll get the deeper discount when the book comes out. When the book comes out, I'm hoping it's in 100,000 homes. And then, then, then we'll be ready. God bless you. We'll be right back. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, 
deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Now back to the best of Mark Levin. We honor those on Memorial Day who've given their lives to defend this nation. We have a very important show for you today. I will note this, ladies and gentlemen. We did this long-form interview for a full hour with the former senior editor for science at the New York Times, since retired from the New York Times. Also a prominent writer for Nature Magazine and Science Magazine. I interviewed this man, Nicholas Wade, who spent a year investigating the source of the coronavirus. And I was tipped off to his piece because I don't normally read the Bulletin of Atomic Science. But people were reading it. It was on the internet. People at Fox were reading it. People on talk radio were reading it. Republicans on Capitol Hill were reading it. And they were using it. But I was tipped off to him by my friend David Berlinski, one of the most brilliant men I've ever talked to. He was on Life, Liberty, and Levin a few years back. He's really a a significant intellectual, and he said, you need to read this article. I read this article, and I said to our Fox production team, let's get Mr. Wade on our Sunday show. And the benefit of the Sunday show is, it is a truly long-form interview show. I know there are those saying, hey, I get to do long-form interview shows. I've been doing this now for five years. The long-form interviews is what I grew up with, or the long-form debate shows. Not a conga line of guests flowing through, each getting three or four minutes. Not 15 topics at a time. We do two at the most, but I prefer to do one. Nicholas Wade was not known to the country before I interviewed him on Sunday, but he's known now. And for the For the Democrat Party media, he gave some legitimacy to questions being raised about the source of this virus. That is, the strong possibility it would be a lab, and zero evidence that it was natural, animal to human. And his piece was 11,000 words long, it was 50 pages. And most people on radio and TV don't have the patience to read something like that. But I did, and I had him on Sunday. And you will notice that since that Sunday show, and by the way, I want to give Howard Kurtz and Brett Baer a hat tip. I believe they're the only people in broadcasting that uh, actually cited the interview with Nicholas Wade because it was a very, very important interview. Not because it was my show or I was asking questions, but because of what he was saying. And so, no longer could this be excused as a crackpot or kook theory. I understand others had raised questions, wondered whether it came from the lab, suggested it might, but they didn't have the substantive and technical background to provide it with any support. Nicholas Wade did. And Nicholas Wade looked at the grant that was given by Fauci's operation to this third party in New York, for the purpose of conducting the kind of scientific activity that would lead to the increased lethality of a coronavirus from the Wuhan lab. 
in Wuhan, China. So he had a lot of dots. A lot of dots were connected. We now have a lot of people talking about this because they're now inhaling the fumes and feeling the dust. That's why I try to use this Sunday show to do very important things. And since that Sunday show, you will notice, this issue has spread through the body politic. It has spread even through the liberal media, that is the Marxist media, as if a a match had just been lit. I don't care who the first one to bring it up was or the fifth one to bring it up was. This isn't about positioning and creating narratives and patting hosts on the back of the head. It was this man, what he wrote, and obviously giving it the attention it deserved, taking it from the Bulletin of Atomic Science and putting it on Fox, on the biggest show on Sunday night, sometimes the biggest show on Sunday, and spreading the word. And I knew it was important, and that's why I encouraged you to watch it. And so now there's enormous talk about the origins of the coronavirus, not just in conservative media, not just speculation, not just a little piece of information here or there, but very, very serious substantive information raising important questions. We know that the Biden State Department now blocked, blocked a further investigation into the source of the coronavirus when Biden came into office. We know that his spokesman, Pasaki, kept dismissing questions about investigating it. Well, go ask China. Well, go ask China. That's like asking the wall. And so today, Wednesday, Three short days after that Sunday interview. And the fact you, that is we the people, want some answers. The media in the press room today, even the Democrat Party pro-Biden media, were peppering the substitute spokes idiot with lots of questions. The media that had dismissed this as a conspiracy theory for reasons we discussed the other day, and Mr. Wade discussed with me on Sunday, is now trying to cover its tracks. And so is Joe Biden. Because Joe Biden today ordered a 90-day investigation by his intelligence agencies to try and come up with an answer. I know the answer, and so do you. This was a cover-up by people who were involved in the grant process. It was a cover-up by the media because they tried to use whatever they could to destroy Donald Trump and blame him for the virus. It was a cover-up by Fauci. Now, what do I mean by that? First, Fauci was unaware of any funding. As you may hear later, if I have time, his boss, the director of the National Institutes of Health, said yes, they issued a grant, and yes, some of that money went to that lab, and yes, some of that money could have been used To create, I repeat, create a more lethal virus from the coronaviruses that they had collected. We'll continue to press. We'll continue to press. I'm only on Fox once a week because that's all I want to be on. I'm behind radio, my microphone, five days a week. We will keep pressing. 
The backbenchers are listening. And by the way, people ask, well, who's the backbencher? You can tell who the backbenchers are. When we talk about critical race theory, now critical race theory is out there. When I do that Sunday interview, now everybody wants an answer. Now when we come back, I have an important pattern of events that I want to discuss with you. And of course, I'll tell you in our third hour, we have two terrific guests. We have uh, Senator Mike Lee, who was, uh, did a hell of a job today on the Hill. And Curtis Sliwa. I think the whole country knows who Curtis Sliwa is. He's actually running for the Republican nomination for mayor in New York. And I like Curtis a lot. I think he'd be a great mayor. He had a real hate on for Trump. I think that might hurt him, but we'll see. I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. This is the best of the Mark Levin Show, where we honor our fallen heroes on this Memorial Day and every day. All right, folks. Many of you have been listening to this program, to me, for almost 20 years. Many of you know of me way back when, when I was the legal director of the legal division of Rush Limbaugh's show, F. Lee Levin. But we have people who come and go. And so maybe they don't know a whole lot about me. And I want to point this out for a reason. I didn't come to broadcasting as a professional broadcaster. I came to broadcasting as an activist. As a constitutional lawyer. I came to broadcasting very, very reluctantly. But then it turns out I was pretty good at it. There's a few things, those of you who are new to this broadcast, I want you to know, and I want you to know this, again, there's a reason. Those of you who've been here a while, just bear with me. There are few, if any, radio hosts or television hosts who've been actively involved in seminal movements in this country. As a young man, I was involved in the Reagan Revolution in 1976 to try and defeat Gerald Ford in the Republican primary. And in 1980, when we succeeded, 
When I was 19 years old in law school, I ran for my local school board because taxes were through the roof, property taxes, the teachers union had taken over. I was in law school. The Republican Party supported me, somewhat reluctantly, as a conservative. It was a bedroom community outside of Philadelphia. Jewish, German, Irish, Italian, I'd say only about 6-7% minority. It's irrelevant. But I had to form an organization on my own to make sure I could turn out the vote, called the Committee for Tax Limitation. And we went after the teachers' union, and we went after the administration, and we went after the courses that they were offering. Not critical race theory, but some rotten courses. And we built a movement. And I won that election by a landslide. Now, again, I'm not saying this, look at me, I'm making a point, just stick with me. When I finally settled down and decided what I wanted to do as a career, I became involved in Landmark Legal Foundation, eventually president of Landmark Legal Foundation. I didn't go off and make half a million dollars at a law firm or anything. I used and wanted to work with this foundation to make a difference. And we brought significant cases against the Environmental Protection Agency, which was held in contempt, against the Internal Revenue Service. We filed tax complaints against the National Education Association. We filed complaint after complaint against the Clinton administration. One complaint we filed with a federal judge in Arkansas, Susan Wright, resulted in Bill Clinton being held in civil contempt. I also represented Attorney General Ed Meese in the Iran-Contra matter, as well as other matters involving other individuals. This is in my blood. This is who I am. Now, I can't do a whole mark This is Mark's life story, because who cares? But John Boehner despises me and picks me out from the others for a reason. I was part of the Tea Party revolution. Not a witness, not a broadcaster, but part of it. When Liberty and Tyranny came out. I got behind that movement. I spoke at rallies for that movement. I helped create the Convention of States movement with the Liberty Amendments. It's a fantastic movement. I want us to keep pushing it. I believe 15 states or so have joined with very little money and so forth. From Liberty and Tyranny and the Tea Party movement to the Liberty Amendments and the Convention of States movement, to the Reagan Revolution, to the Tea Party movement. I've been an activist. Now why does this matter? It matters, ladies and gentlemen, because we're in a point in our country now where we need to organize. You're getting people coming on TV and radio who are throwing ideas at you. 
I guess they're good. Some of them may be great. But they're not activists. They're commentators. Most of them haven't participated in any of these counter-revolutions to the rising Marxist movement in this country. John Boehner, quite frankly, I worked with Mark Meadows to topple John Boehner. And he was toppled because he was no damn good. Because he went to war against the Tea Party. The establishment Republicans hate me. Because they know that you Levinites are the true warriors. Those of you in this audience are the great patriots. Now why does any of this matter? It matters, because I'm going to explain it to you after the bottom of the hour. So please stick with me. A little forbearance, please. I'll be right back. You're listening to the Memorial Day edition of the Best of the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. If you're going to stick with this program, please stick with it this hour. Because it takes me time to develop this a little bit. I'm not a ping pong ball jumping from issue to issue. Twelve years ago, Liberty and Tyranny, many of you purchased that book. But whether you did or not is of no consequence. I'm just pointing it out. It was twelve years ago. And actually, the title was Liberty and Tyranny, a Conservative Manifesto. Now, I wrote this book having no idea about the Tea Party, because there was no Tea Party when I started this book, because the rhinos, McCain and others, were trying to redefine conservatism, and I'd had enough of it. Bill Crystal was trying to redefine conservatism, and I'd had enough of it. And I always wanted to write a book about conservatism. So liberty and tyranny, the tyranny being the statists. I said, I'm not going to call them progressives, I'm going to call them statists. If the word was good enough for Aristotle, it was good enough for me. My editor at the time said, what's a statist? The word statist and statism popularized by this book was not used back then. I thought it should be reintroduced into the body politic because that's what we're dealing with. So the last chapter of the book is the Conservative Manifesto. And I go through a number of areas, which I won't do with you. Taxation, environment, judges, the administrative state, government education, immigration, entitlements, foreign policy and security, faith and religion, and the Constitution. And the Constitution. And even back then, I'm warning about the changes we're seeing in this country, and many of you saw them too. Many of you saw them too. In part, here's what I said. I'm not going to get into each one of the issues because it's not necessary. Republicans seem clueless on how to slow, contain, and reverse the status agenda. They seem to fear returning to first principles lest they be rejected by the electorate, so prefer to tinker ineffectively and timidly on the edges. As such, they are not abandoning are they not abandoning what they claim to support? If the bulk of the people reject the civil society for the statist utopia, preferring subjugation to citizenship, then the end is near anyway. 
But even in winning an election, governing without advancing first principles is a hollow victory indeed. Its imprudence is self-evident. This is not the way of the conservative, it is the way of the neo-status, and that is what I've been calling rhinos. Neo-status, because in effect they defend that which the left has created. Subservient to a so-called reality created by the statist, rather than the reality of unalienable rights created, uh, granted by the creator. So what can be done? I asked back then. I don't pretend to have all the answers. And the act of writing a book places practical limits on what can be said at a given time, but I do have some thoughts. The conservative must become more engaged in public matters. It is his nature to live and let live, to attend to his family, to volunteer time with his church and synagogue, and to quietly assist a friend, neighbor, or even a stranger. These are certainly admirable qualities that contribute to the overall health of the community. But it is no longer enough. The statist counter-revolution has turned the instrumentalities of public affairs and public governance against the civil society. Twelve years ago. They can no longer be left to the devices of the statist, which is largely the case today. This will require a new generation of conservative activists, larger in number, shrewder, more articulate than before, who seek to blunt the statist counter-revolution, not imitate it, and gradually and steadily reverse course. More conservatives than before will need to seek elective and appointed office, fill the ranks of the administrative state, hold teaching positions in public schools and universities, and find positions in Hollywood and the media where they can make a difference in infinite ways. The status doesn't have a birthright ownership to these institutions. The conservative must fight for them, mold them, and where appropriate, eliminate them, where they are destructive to the preservation and improvement of the civil society. Parents and grandparents must take it upon themselves to teach their children and grandchildren to believe in and appreciate the principles of the American civil society and stress the import of preserving and improving the society. They will need to teach their offspring that the status threatens their generation's liberty and prosperity and to resist ideologically alluring trends and fads. Parents and grandparents by the millions can counteract the status indoctrination of their children and grandchildren in government schools, and by other status institutions, simply by conferring their knowledge, beliefs, and ideals on them over the dinner table, in the car, or at bedtime. And if undertaken on an intimate, purposeful, and consistent basis, it will shape a generation of new conservatives. And education should not stop at the front door. We, the people, are a vast army of educators and communicators. When the occasion arises in conversations with neighbors, friends, co-workers, and others, take the time to explain our principles and their value to the individual, family, and society generally. We should acquire knowledge outside the status universe. The conservatives should not ignore the media, Hollywood, government schools, and universities, but they should not be the primary sources of information that shape the conservatives' worldview. Technology has made access to an unprecedented wealth of resources that contribute to the conservatives' understanding, and I list a number of papers and websites and so forth. The status has also become masterful at controlling the public vocabulary. For example, when challenged on global warming, back then climate change wasn't in, he accuses the skeptic of being a denier, favoring corporate polluters, or being against saving the planet. Draconian measures that threaten liberty and prosperity, such as cap-and-trade, are marketed in appealing and benign slogans such as, Going Green. And of course, the status never destroy, he 
reforms. He never disenfranchises, he empowers. The conservative must take heart from and learn the lessons of his nation's history, and I go on. And I will stop here, but I broke this into ten parts. As I said earlier, the conservative manifesto and things we much do must do under each one of those subject areas. But today it's not enough. It's not enough. I think it was the third book I wrote, The Liberty Amendments. Maybe it was the fourth. And I'm not going to read from it. But I looked at the Convention of States that's provided for in Article 5, which I had opposed all my life, and I read it, studied it, and I said, why am I opposing this? After all, the framers put it in here for a reason. And they tell us why they put it in here. They voted on it on the floor of the Pennsylvania Assembly Building in Philadelphia. The first chapter was restoring the American Republic. The second chapter was an amendment to establish term limits for members of Congress. The third chapter, an amendment to restore the Senate, that is, where the state legislatures select senators. The fourth chapter, an amendment to establish term limits for Supreme Court justices and supermajority legislative override. Now, this commission that Biden's put together may support term limits for Supreme Court justices, but they're not going to support what I support. That's something that should be installed 20 years hence, so you can advance that cause today for 20 years from now, not today for today where the Democrats will use it to pack the court. And I also made the case that with a three-fifths supermajority Congress or three-fifths of the state legislatures, could overturn a Supreme Court decision. Not rewrite it, not change it, but overturn it. We are a representative republic. We cannot put up with judicial tyranny either. Chapter 5 was two amendments to limit federal spending and taxing. Unfortunately, if they had been in place, we wouldn't be seeing what we see today. Chapter 6, an amendment to limit the federal bureaucracy's power. Chapter 7, an amendment to promote commerce, true commerce. I call it promote free enterprise. Chapter 8, an amendment to protect private property. Chapter 9, an amendment to grant the state's authority to directly amend the Constitution. Same supermajority number, but without Congress's participation. Chapter 10, an amendment to grant the state's uh, the authority to check Congress. That is, to even overwrite certain congressional legislation with a supermajority. And then finally, and presciently actually, an amendment to protect the vote. An entire chapter on what we need to do to ensure the integrity of our voting system. That was proposal number 11 amendment. Pretty good, right? But it's not enough. It's not enough anymore. Those are my proposals. But we only have 15 states out of 34 that have signed on to the Convention of States. We should continue to do this. But we need to address the urgency of the moment. And so you can see in these books, I not only write 
from a scholarly or kind of intellectual perspective, but I want to put it in plain English and I have ideas. You're hearing more and more the word Marxist and the word Marxism on Fox and on talk radio. Not democratic socialism, not progressivism, not liberalism. It is my intent to take our language back. It is my intent to take our country back. Not based on race, based on liberty. I know exactly what I'm doing behind this microphone. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I'm trying to drive the discussion. As I told you, I'm an activist. I'm trying to drive the substance. And this is why you see things happening. This is why you hear what I say behind this microphone. Again, it's not, Mark, aren't you the greatest? That has nothing to do with this. I've spent a year writing this book, American Marxism, and I stopped multiple times. I stopped when my little buddy Barney passed away. I stopped. Another matter came up. I stopped to watch this election. But I've been working on it ever since, especially the last six months. And I've done everything I can in this book, which to me is the catalyst for pushing the agenda, the catalyst for building the movement. Everything I can think of. It's the longest book I've ever written, as I told you, but it's not long enough. And in the final chapter, after discussing who it is that seeks to destroy your liberty, your security, your property rights, who it is that seeks to destroy the minds of your children, our economic system, who it is that is defaming you and character assassinating you as if they're segregationists and racists, because they are, laying it out like it hasn't been laid out anywhere before. Not like this. And there have been some great writers, so that's just not a put-down. And then it culminates into the final chapter, as it does with the final chapter of Liberty and Tyranny, with suggestions. The suggestions aren't meant to be all the suggestions, or the final suggestions, but they're meant to be serious, possible actions that we can take as an army of patriots. This book really will be volume one. I'm sure I'm going to need to write a volume two. I'm telling you all this because I want you to have a little bit of hope. I want you to know I'm not behind this microphone as a gas bag or full of hot air. That I live what I say. I don't just say it, move on to the next job or to the next issue or whatever. I believe this with my heart and soul. I have children too. I have grandchildren too. I see what's happening too. What these politicians, what these Marxists, the various 
walks of life are doing to our country is a sin. It's immoral. They're using freedom. They're using the civil society. They're using the Bill of Rights to destroy them all. I see it. You see it. I know it. And I got sick and tired of watching it. Talking about it is important. As you know, ideas have consequences. I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Now back to the best of Mark Levin. We honor those on Memorial Day who have given their lives to defend this nation. We're going to get on to some other things the rest of the show here. Um, I just want to give you some hope. That's all. There are things that are going on in the country sporadically. A couple of school boards, some parents groups. These are wonderful signs. But we can't expect to defeat a well-organized, heavily funded ideological movement sporadically sporadically so we want to have ideas we want to have approaches that will confront these movements now I'll be perfectly honest with you I don't see us making a lot of progress in Democrat strongholds in places like Minneapolis or Los Angeles or Atlanta and so forth And it's a damn shame. It's a damn shame. Maybe if we ever control the federal government, we can do something more about it. We should. I think people who say we're to go into these areas and campaign, maybe we'll turn the vote. I think that's very unlikely. Donald Trump did as much as anybody can do, far more than Barack Obama did for many of these communities. But when you don't control the local politics, when you don't control the media... When education becomes propaganda, it becomes very difficult, doesn't it? It becomes very difficult. I'm not talking about who lives in these communities. I'm talking about the power of the party. The party. The Democrat Party controls these communities. There are some where maybe we have a fighting chance, but not yet. 
But outside the, many of the inner cities, these battles are taking place. Because the indoctrination is taking place in all the classrooms. The attack on capitalism through so-called climate change is taking place in all these places. The effects of open borders is taking place in all these places. Ideological drives on transgenderism or what have you, trying to impose it on society, that's taking place in all these places. That is the entire country. So it's not something we can ignore. It's not something we should ignore. But what concerns me is we're going to see more bifurcation, more division. Because as an example, the Chicago schools with that mayor and the political leaders there, they'll continue to push critical race theory even if it's defeated in a place like Kansas. There's nothing we can do about that right now. We got to get our legs, we have to learn to walk, and then we need to sprint. We got a lot more issues, I'm going to hammer them when we come back. I'll be right. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. This is the best of the Mark Levin Show, where we honor our fallen heroes on this Memorial Day and every day. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Let's get going. Hat tip, Grabian, major media mock President Trump, Senator Cotton, for saying that they believed it was possible that the virus leaked from the Wuhan lab in 2020. Take a listen. Cut 20. Go. The best evidence suggests that the kind of bat from which this virus jumped to humans wasn't even present there. But you know the worst of all, whether it came from the lab or came from the bats, or came, it all came from China. Because we don't know where the novel coronavirus came from yet, the conspiracy theories fill the void. I'm telling you, the chai are trying to weaponize this thing. Here's Conservative talk show host Rush Limbaugh with zero proof suggesting a Chinese bioweapon lab is to blame. There's this question about the Wuhan lab. We know that it's been debunked. Those same agencies now have been tapped with investigating one of Trump world's most favorite conspiracy theories. This week, Donald Trump is still pushing the debunked bunkum, despite his own intelligence community's findings that that is simply not true. And there is simply no reason to believe that that, that is the case. There is no empirical evidence to verify that. Coming up with a conspiracy theory to try and foment xenophobia um, with respect to um, the Chinese has just as much factual support as taking Clorox. He can't just sit back and let the doctors and the scientists do their jobs. He's got to chime in. He may pick up the conspiracy theory that this was some weapon. People don't keep bats in captivity. 
Complete baloney. We don't need to invoke conspiracy theories. This is just another example of, of the president trying to change the narrative from his own failings. The problem for President Trump is that he's running for re-election, is looking for ways to deflect blame for uh, the performance of the administration. If you look at the evolution of the virus in bats and what's out there now, it's very, very strongly leaning towards this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated. So I wanted to ask, are you still confident that it developed naturally? No, actually, I, that's the point that I said. No, I'm not convinced uh, about that. I think that we should continue to investigate what went on in China. He is becoming a joke. Actually, he is more than becoming a joke. Uh, he is preposterous. Anthony Fauci. And he did testify, and Rand Paul did question him, I guess it was last last week or so, about whether any money was funneled through that lab from Fauci's own operation, and he said no. The problem with that is the guest I had on Sunday wrote that piece and went and looked at the grants. And he said, yes, it's right there. Now, during a hearing... On the National Institutes of Health budget request yesterday, Representative Andy Harris, Republican Maryland, the only Republican from Maryland, although they're trying to constantly redistrict him out of existence, is a very solid thinker, principled man. He raised some questions with Francis Collins, who is Anthony Fauci's boss. Cut one, go. And uh, I just would like, uh, Dr. Collins, maybe just a couple of Uh, Clarifications. I I understand we did not directly fund the Wuhan Institute of Virology, but my understanding is we did uh, send about $3.7 million in grants to EcoHealth Alliance, of which $600,000 went to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to various studies there. Is that true? Uh, That is correct. I'm going to ask Dr. Fauci also. No, I I, I only have five minutes. I, I just need, that's true. Okay, because I read it, that's true. Do we know whether the Wuhan Institute of Virology does gain-of-function research? Now, gain-of-function research, again, is the research that takes, a, in this case, a coronavirus, of which there are many, and makes it more lethal and more lethal to humans. Because the theory is we want to create it here in the lab, make it more lethal to humans, and then figure out how to destroy it or treat it. It's a very controversial area of science, and there was a moratorium in place when the funding went from Fauci's operation to EcoHealth Alliance, this third party, which then sent uh, significant dollars to this Wuhan Institute for this very purpose. Go. By NIH uh, for doing gain-of-function research. We do not, and that's the official government identification of that term, by the way. We are, of course, not aware of other sources of funds or other activities they might have undertaken outside of what our approved grant allowed. Okay, so we could have sent money. uh, Now, if anybody read uh, what uh, Nicholas Wade had to say, uh, the grant itself does say that that is the kind of research in part that would take place, gain-of-function research. It's in the grant. Go ahead. Alliance money could have ended up in the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which which might be doing gain-of-function research. And, in fact, since they sent a you know, a a general of the Communist uh, Party uh, Army uh, to take over the lab in February 2020. It's not 
uh, out of out of the realm of possibility. They're doing See, what that. Mr. Collins should have told the representative Harris is, yes, that is what they do. She's the bat lady for a reason. And they take these coronaviruses, they collect them. She has scores, scores of samples of, of this virus, different viruses under the coronavirus nomenclature. That's what they do in that lab, among other things. Go ahead. Uh, because I do know that, that money is somewhat fungible. Uh, once you send money to institutes, that uh, it bothers me a little bit that we would send money to an institute that might be doing gain-of-function research, especially China. Uh, do we send any money to any sub-agencies or sub-grantees that could be sending money to Russia? Um, I don't know the specific answer to that. I think we have in the past, and I don't know whether we currently do or not. Let me ask you folks something. If you're head of the National Institutes of Health, that's the big umbrella group, or you're head of the National Institute for Infectious Diseases, that is the Fauci group, wouldn't you know all this by now? Wouldn't you say, staff, come in here, I want some answers. Are we still doing this? Where are we doing How much? Apparently we're doing a lot of it. But a moratorium was in place. A moratorium was in place. And as Mr. Wade said on my show, they used a loophole of some sort, which Fauci and or Collins would have had to sign off on. And unfortunately, that question was not asked of either of them. Let's continue. Now, Anthony Fauci at the hearing uh, today on the Senate side. And here's Senator John Kennedy questioning Fauci. Cut to go. Dr. Fauci, I believe you have testified that uh, that uh, you didn't give any money to the Wuhan lab to conduct gain-of-function research. Is that right? That is correct. Now, that is dishonest because technically they gave a grant to that third party that I mentioned called EcoHealth Alliance in New York. So that was your tax dollars that went to that lab in China. Go ahead. How do you know they didn't lie to you? Excuse me, sir? How do you know they didn't lie to you and use the money for gain-of-function research anyway? Well, we've seen the results of the experiments that were done and that were published and that the viruses that they um, uh, studied are on public databases This now. is so thoroughly dishonest. Much of what this lab does is the gain-of-function research with the coronaviruses. This is so thoroughly dishonest. We've seen the public experiments. You don't have access to the data. That's what you said the other day. That's what the Biden administration's position is. We don't have the data. We want the data. We want to look at the data. That was the Trump administration's position. Go ahead. So none of that was gain of function, so... How do you know they didn't do the research and uh, not put it on their website? There's no way of guaranteeing that, but in our experience with grantees, including Chinese grantees, which we've had interactions with for a very long... But here, see, this is the tap dance he's done. We didn't fund it. No, he funded a third party. Okay, how do you know they, they, they didn't do this? Well, our experience with them... Wait a minute. You gave money to a third party that in turn gave money to this lab. How are you now saying our experience with the lab is X? 
when it's the third party that had experienced with the lab. Go ahead. They're very competent, trustworthy scientists. I'm not talking about anything else in China. I'm talking about the scientists that you would expect that they would abide by the conditions of the grant. No, we wouldn't. They're under the iron fist of the Communist Party, you fool. Why do you think they won't let anyone in that lab? Why do you think they kept all the data? Probably destroyed it. Why do you think they wouldn't let our officials from our government in to China to get to that lab? And by the way, you know who Biden's blaming for that today? Donald Trump. Who wanted to get to the bottom of it, who tried to get to the bottom of it, who cut off travel from that country. Biden is a lowlife. He always has been a lowlife. He will always be a lowlife. Go ahead. They've done for the years that we've had interactions. So you don't think the Chinese would lie to you? Well, when you say the Chinese, the Chinese are a rather broad group. I know the scientists that we've dealt with. All right, let me try this, Dr. Fauci. You think the scientists are free to do and say what they want to say? Several of them have disappeared, Dr. Fauci. Do you know why they disappeared? Do you know where they went? Do you think the communist Chinese know where they went? Are you a buffoon? You're supposed to be a scientist? Go ahead. Worthy? Mm-hmm. You think all the scientists uh, have told the truth in terms of the origin of the Wuhan virus and not been influenced by the Communist Party of China, do you? I don't have enough insight into the Communist Party. Yes, you do. You have a lot of insight into it. We all do. Unless you're completely ignorant of the news. You go to enough newsrooms to put out your daily incoherence. So that's just ridiculous. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. You're listening to the Memorial Day edition of the Best of the Mark Levin Show. I think uh, some of the uh, some of the so-called science experts have cost us lives in this country. I regret having to say that some of the politicians have cost us a lot of lives in this country. They took a pandemic and they made it worse. And the more I hear Fauci, the more I realize he had no idea what was going on. And he's taken 10 positions on the same subject. Here's Fauci and Francis Collins, head of the NIH. Senator Kenny continues with his questions. Cut four, go. Why did you guys spike 
not guys and ladies, why did y'all spike the prior administration's uh, investigation into the origins of the coronavirus and whether it could have uh, come out of the Wuhan lab? Sir, I, I, we did not spike anything in the prior administration. I'm not sure what you mean by spike, but we have no influence. The State Department spiked the, the, the prior administration's right. uh, study. But that has nothing to do with the National Institutes of so Health. So they didn't consult with y'all? They did not. Did they consult with you, Dr. Collins? I read about it in the press this morning. Doc? They just spiked it without talking to their experts? You don't want to answer that one, do you? Uh, I just read about it. Thank you, Madam Chair. So this guy, Pinkin, comes into the Secretary of State's position. He is a complete wrecking ball. Everything he touches turns into crap. And so that State Department spiked the investigation that the Trump State Department had launched under Secretary Pompeo. Now, why in the hell would they do that? You understand, folks, the media covered this up. These so-called experts covered this up. Now, people will fall back and say, well, they weren't short. No, no, no. When you're spiking an investigation, you're covering it up. And it isn't amazing how little Doctors Collins and Fauci actually know about their own grant? Even to this date, even if they initially didn't know a damn thing, wouldn't you know by now everything you had to know about this grant? Wouldn't you want to go back and know who the underlings were who signed off on the grant and who it was, whether it was Fauci or Collins, who signed the exception to the moratorium there was an exception to the moratorium that Collins or Fauci had to sign according to Nicholas Wade who I interviewed on Sunday but listen to Fauci again cut five go why did you dismiss the lab leak theory as that's Marco Rubio incredible I have always said that the high likelihood is that this is a natural occurrence based on what Based on what? Communist Chinese propaganda. Nicholas Wade, again the writer, he looked into this. He said there's not a scintilla of evidence. Nothing whatsoever. Zero. There's nothing. That underscores or undergirds the position that this was a natural occurrence. There's nothing. Literally nothing. And yet Fauci continues that he feels that this high likelihood, that's what caused it. Based on what? Based on nothing. Go ahead. Dismiss anything. I just said it's a high likelihood that this is a natural occurrence from the environment of an animal reservoir that we have not yet identified. They have not yet identified the animal, animal reservoir, ladies and gentlemen. They've yet identified anything. Nothing. People throw around the names of animals, well, it came from bats. They have no idea if that's the case. None. The communist Chinese put out that propaganda. The man who received the grant from Fauci's operation, who runs that organization in New York, he put out a letter 
that he had other scientists sign with him that was in the Lancet Scientific Journal. Not only didn't he reveal his conflict of interest, at the end of the article he says there is no conflict of interest. He never revealed that they received the grant and in turn gave money to the Wuhan lab. He pushed this conspiracy, that is, that anybody who brings up the lab is to be discredited. That's all we have. We have no evidence. None whatsoever. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Now back to the best of Mark Levin. We honor those on Memorial Day who've given their lives to defend this nation. When the going gets tough, the tough get Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Maggie Hagerman. She's a fraud, and she writes for a fraudulent newspaper that tried to cover up the Holocaust. Now, if you have any self-respect whatsoever, Maggie Hagerman, why do you work for that newspaper? Seriously. If you're a real journalist, shouldn't you try to get away from a newspaper like that? Now, there's been a lot written about the New York Times, so this isn't just Mark speaking. You're writing for a corporate media outlet that tried to cover up the Holocaust. Now, how do you justify that? They're trying to throw this Republican out of the House because she she posted sort of a, a, a dumb tweet. I don't believe she called our cops, uh, what did the stormtroopers, like Nancy Pelosi did. Nobody said that she should resign or be thrown out of Congress. Of course, she should. Or how many times was Donald Trump called Hitler? I don't remember people getting all worked up about that. Or the Stooges, the Marxist anti Semites in the Democrat Party, a growing part of the Democrat Party. Nobody's telling them to resign. Nonetheless, we have Maggie Haberman and she's got an idea. Because the New York Times and the Washington Post and the rest of the media lied to us and covered up and was not even curious about where this this virus might come from. They were listening to Fauci who I must say has become buffoonish. I think that's a good description of him. Buffoonish Fauci. She had this to say in response to John Berman. Now, John Berman, as you recall, is one of the stupidest people on cable. 
and I include any of the 4 billion cable channels and in the middle of the night when they're trying to hawk makeup. Cut uh, six, go. This matters. Understanding where coronavirus and how the pandemic began matters. Wow, it matters all of a sudden to the nitwit. That's great. This matters to the constipated news network. Now they want to know, where did it come from? What kind of a news organization is this? It's not. He goes on. Go ahead. But the lab leak, I think, was clouded early on because there was a suggestion by some that it was somehow a Chinese weapon that, that caused this. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a lab accident. And the only reason we're talking about the lab has nothing to do with CNN and the cover-up operation. And we're not even talking about a lab accident. We're talking about people who got the illness in the lab, left the lab, potentially. We have a Wall Street Journal report over the weekend. And may have gotten other people infected. Go ahead. From people dismissing this as a conspiracy theory to a lot of people taking this seriously, Maggie. We have, John. And look, I do think it's important to remember that part of the issue when this was first being reported on and discussed back a few months after the pandemic had begun was that then-President Trump and Mike Pompeo, uh, the uh, Secretary of State, both suggested they had seen evidence that this was formed in a lab, and they also suggested it was not released on purpose, but they refused to release the evidence showing what it was. And so because of that, that made this instantly All right, stop. You know... uh Mr. Wade said something similar to me on Sunday's show. I couldn't get too brutal with him because I didn't want to lose him. I wanted him to stay. But I said to him, well, maybe the president said that because he wanted to go to the Chinese. But here's the thing. Maggie, may I call you Maggie or is it Mag? What do we call you? Mag? Maggie, uh, are you an independent journalist? Does your newspaper actually do investigative journalism? Even putting aside your contempt and hatred for the former president, your seething obsession with the former president, what explains your failure, the failure of your editors, the failure of your newspaper, to find out what the source of the virus was and is? You see, by your response, you're demonstrating to us that you're nothing but Bernie Sanders in a dress. Pretty much. You're an ideologue. You're a hack. And so you regurgitate this answer. They didn't provide us with the evidence, so we just went, okay. Well, then go out and get it. Stop spending so much time in CNN studios and go out and get it. Aren't you an investigative reporter? Now, here's the truth. Maggie Haberman doesn't know a Petri dish from an oak tree. She's not a science writer. She's a political writer. In other words, she's a political hack. So why are they even asking her? The people they should be asking are the science writers for the New York Times, the science writers for the Washington Post, the science reporters for the major networks. Did you read the letter that was put out by Mr. Datch and his organization that received the grant and by Getting the grant gave some of the money to the lab. Did you read the letter? Did you question any of the scientists? Can you provide us with any evidence whatsoever about this natural cause? Can you? No, you can't. 
Do you have any curiosity whatsoever about who signed off on this grant? Under Fauci? Did you know there was a moratorium and only Fauci had the power to sign an exception? This is what happens when New York Times hacks don't watch Fox News and my Sunday show. Where they can learn a hell of a lot. So it's Trump and Pompeo. That's why the press decided not to look. Trump and Pompeo. They want the tax returns. They want to know who Pompeo invited for dinner. They want to, but when it comes to the greatest pandemic, certainly in a century, but possibly in American history, then they have no curiosity whatsoever. And you want to know why? You want to know why? Because they wanted to blame it all on Trump. And they're still doing that. Sick. Absolutely sick. Go on. I think that it was, you know, example 1000 when the Trump administration learned... Now shut that up, you went- idiot. And you really are an idiot. May I say that? I'm not even going to say it with due respect. Absolutely moronic. You're a propagandist. And Trump and Trump and, and, and Trump. And then when Trump did this... What did you do, Maggie? What did your newspaper do to get to the bottom of this, Maggie? Remember Anonymous when you were pushing that crap, Maggie? Remember the Russia collusion story and the Pulitzers that were handed out? Maggie? Do you remember all that stuff, Maggie? And what kind of name is Maggie? I'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. This is the best of the Mark Levin Show, where we honor our fallen heroes on this Memorial Day and every day. Almost 600,000 people, according to official statistics, have died in this country from the coronavirus. And Maggie Haberman of the New York Times had no interest in finding out the actual cause of it. And the best she can do is go on CNN and attack the former president. This is a low life. She'd make a good replacement for Joe Scarborough, who's a low life. And I would say this to Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski. Why haven't you surrendered your jobs to African Americans? Do you not even understand what critical race theory is, you morons? You pathetic, illiterate morons? Why haven't you announced on your program that you're giving up your jobs and your positions? 
Because you don't understand that you are white supremacists. Because you're white. All these buffoonish white Democrats, media personalities, they don't have a clue what the hell they're talking about or what the hell they're doing. But this Maggie Haberman works for this media corporation that 75, 80 years ago chose to help cover up the slaughter of the European Jews. It was owned by a Jewish family. She's proud of her working with the New York Times. She's at the pinnacle of journalism. And the best she can do is throw up that trope about Donald Trump. Like the media is sitting there and they can't, they can't get out of their chairs to find out what happened because of Donald Trump. No wonder Trump hates your guts. No wonder the American people detest you. I am tired of the lies from the media. I am tired of the incompetence from the media. I am tired of them destroying this country with their propaganda. They don't even know what their role is. Their role is to provide us with information so we can improve our lives and make decisions. They think this is some kind of a joke. They're an appendage of the Democrat Party. They give voice and support to these various Marxist spawned movements? How come there's not a thorough investigative documentary-like report by the New York Times or CNN or MSNBC or the Washington Post on Black Lives Matter? Well, there's a very, very thorough discussion of that in American Marxism. Or Antifa. Where does Antifa get its funding? Who are these people? They don't tell us. Why don't they tell us? Because they agree with them. Because they agree with them. Climate change? Really? Chuck Todd, the great climate change expert, tell me, Chuck, how warm is the earth going to get in the next hundred years? I have a better question. How warm will Washington, D.C. be next week? Can you tell me, Chuck? They rely on the experts. The experts. Dr. Fauci, expert. If you listen to Dr. Fauci, you don't know whether to wear a mask or not wear a mask. This is a man who said you should wear goggles. This is a man who said you should stay home. This is a man who believed in closing our school systems, even though children were relatively, not relatively, overwhelmingly immune from this virus. That's the scientist, the mad scientist. Doesn't matter. Chuck believes in that kind of authoritarianism, you know. But Donald Trump, something was wrong with Donald Trump. The fact that he pushed through three vaccines. And as he's told me and he said publicly, Fauci and the folks at the FDA were very difficult to work with. That we'd still be investigating vaccines if it wasn't for Operation Warp Speed. That's right, I said it. Then you have Biden. Biden. They have to have uh, padded walls in the White House because he keeps walking into them. Uh, I, 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 wanna, uh, I want to, uh, you know, the thing, uh, you know, uh, congratulate me for all the vaccines that we've developed and we're getting out there, you know, thank me. But, oh, and I hate Trump. Did I mention Trump? Oh, yeah, I hate Trump. It's really just 
Sarah Haynes is a host on The View. What is The View? What is this creepy, stupid show with some of the most dim-witted human beings on two feet? It really is. Oh, the Yankees on They think they're so, so, they're stupid. Sarah Haynes. I don't know who Sarah Haynes is, but she's on The View. Gee, I wonder what she has to say. Cut seven, go. And when that theory came out that it could have come from a lab, it came out under the former administration. And I think the messenger matters. I think during that time when that theory started to be told, it was buried in an administration and a former president who often kind of troped in uh, kind of racist terms. No, he didn't. He didn't trope in racist terms, you idiot. The racist left tropes in racist terms and anti-Semitic terms. He never troped in racist terms. He made more inroads into the black community and into the Hispanic community than Obama ever did. You know, they're protesting Obama's library in that community, particularly the Hispanic community. I'm sure The View will cover that one day. No question. Maybe Maggie Haberman in the New York Times will. I mean, I know it's not the Holocaust, but they might want to check it out, you know. So they have their talking points now. And the reason these independent investigative Corporate media outlets didn't try to find out where this virus came from was because of Trump. What they should have said, you know what? That Trump may know something. He's the president. Maybe he's getting some kind of information that we don't have. Maybe he's on to something. We, we, we ought to check this out. We ought to see if there's any accuracy in this. We ought to see if there's any substance. I mean, he is the president. We ought to check. But because they disrespect him, because they're ideological... Because they wanted to defeat him. The greatest story potentially in modern American history went unreported because of jerks like Maggie and jerks like Sarah. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Please grab your pre order of first edition of American Marxism, and I'll see you tomorrow. Be well. God bless.